Welcome to Entrepreneur Humans. I'm your host, Mike Tawell, and today's guest is Yair Levy. Yair left his job as a salaried employee without having a clear direction of what he wanted to do. He first joined a co-working space, which inspired his latest venture, Solario. Yair, tell us a little bit about what Solario is and what Solario does and how we can all benefit from using it. Uh, Solario is, uh, is essentially building the bank of co-working, uh, as we like to call it. Uh, this is, I think, probably one of the first companies to offer um, specifically designed financial services for co-working members and for the co-working uh, industry as a whole. Um, our end customers are obviously freelancers and entrepreneurs, which account for uh, over 70% of, of uh, co-working members uh, in the U.S. and worldwide. Uh, and our partners are essentially the co-working spaces because we are financing uh, their products and services. We are financing uh, security deposits. We're financing rent. Uh, so these are, these are our, uh, our offerings. Uh, and our main, um, our main mission is to make co-working more accessible for freelancers and entrepreneurs uh, wherever they go. So say I walk into a co-working space right now, um, they're requesting a $1,000 deposit. Um, I get approved for Solario, Solario pays them the $1,000, and now I just pay you guys a $10 monthly fee, is that it? Yes, that's exactly the case. Uh, a freelancer or entrepreneur who comes into WeWork is required to put down uh, normally uh, a month and a half worth of rent uh, of a security deposit. Uh, that uh, member applies online on salary.com. Uh, he answers a few simple questions about the size of the office or the dedicated desk, a few uh, identifying questions as well. Um, we run a scan on the background to see the professional uh, profile of the applicant, and we ask some financial questions. Um, this whole process takes uh, up to three minutes from our experience. Um, and after that, if the member is approved, Salario puts down that deposit with the co-working space and the member pays a small monthly fee starting from $10 a month. So up to $1,000 worth of a security deposit, it would be $10 per month, um, the service. So besides for the $10 monthly fee, um, what is the interest rate or what additional fees should the customer expect to be paying? So, so that's the good thing. There are none. Okay, that's the only cost of the service. The reason for that, there are actually two reasons for that. The first one is that it's important to state that the, uh, the co-working member, the freelancer or the entrepreneur um, doesn't need to repay us the deposit amount, right? We recover it from the co-working space at the end of the stay. So it's not really a loan. As long as the co-working member abides by the uh, contract or the service agreement that he has with the co-working space. It is a financing that doesn't incur any debt. He is only paying us for the service, for having put the deposit down for a certain amount of time, and we recover it when they leave. So that's the first reason why we don't charge anything extra. And the second reason uh, is for the fact that co-working spaces are very different from um, other, I think, cases. And security deposits are very rarely used. So the risk associated for us by financing a security deposit is not a very high one. Um, co-workings are very uh, inclusive and safe communities. And damages, which are 
responsible for about half of the time that security deposits are used in residential cases are seldom used uh, in a 24-7 maintained, serviced, and clean environment, sometimes even with transparent uh, walls, such as a co-working space. So uh, from all parties around, it's, uh, it's a win-win-win. It's a win for Salario because we have a relatively safe product and we uh, earn a good income on our risk. Uh, it's good for the co-working space who gets members in more easily and relieves a, a big, a hefty burden of having to pay a security deposit. And it's good for the member who can come in easily and get a more accessible uh, business service, which is becoming a basic uh, service nowadays. I think anyone who wants to do anything creative or innovative right now, the first thing he does is go into a co-working space. It almost as this sort of a, a social uh, institution that is starting to build up next to what we've known always like family, college, work. So, so co-working spaces are a little bit uh, making this function as well of being a social professional uh, entourage to, to build someone's career and, and to make connections. Yeah, there's definitely something really powerful about the collective energy of being in a room full of creative people at the same time. Totally. This is how we build the company. <laughs> so just to make sure that all our listeners understand this correctly, um, I just walked into a co-working space and you financed me $1,000. I'm paying you $10 a month in exchange. At what point do you get paid back that $1,000? All right, so the average uh, stay at the co-working space in the U.S. right now is 19.7 months, all right, 20 months on average. That's according to uh, Global Workspace Association and, and GCUC, the main organization in the industry. So what happens is when those 20 months are, are out, let's say you are the average co-working member, uh, you leave um, the co-working space you work in after 20 months, uh, in this instance, the co-working space repays Salario, the, the security deposit we put down, and then we stop charging you the monthly fee and the deal is done. Uh, if you decide to move to another co-working space, we could always you know, continue for, uh, supplying the service elsewhere. That's also an option. But you are not required at any point to repay that amount. That's the whole idea. So our idea in the end is to replace security deposits altogether with a monthly fee. So it becomes like an insurance policy for security deposits in yeah. working spaces. Yeah. I like that. Um, so now say the, there were damages to the property and uh, the, the user is not going to get a refund. How would you go about collecting the yeah. damage? So first of all, it's important to state that the co-working spaces, when they engage with Salario as partners, uh, and we already have a few... Uh, very good leading co-working spaces partnered with us. Um, we made the service to be as easy as possible for them to onboard with. So they're not required to change anything about the way that they behave. They can use the security deposit in case that there are damages or rent as if it was just a regular member paying the deposit in the first place, right? That's important to state. And then in the rare case that the deposit is uh, used by the co-working space, because there were damages or rent unpaid or, or anything like that, which according to our data is less than once for every 200 members a year, okay? Um, but in those cases, what will happen is that the member will be required to repay us to Salario the deposit amount. And we normally try to be um, very uh, flexible about it, like we try to do about anything. So. 
Um, we normally just uh, flex it out to six installments to make it easy because we understand probably there was some kind of a, a very, um, let's say, rare event that caused the member to do this because, you know, when, when, a, when a, a co-working space needs to use the deposit, that means that something really, really bad happened. Uh, and from our knowledge and experience in the industry so far, we know that members and, and community managers and operator, co-working operators and, and us as well, um, they all feel part of a big community. And it's very important to, you know, to do good by the community and to, re, to, give, to give first and then to, get, to give back, right? And we, we believe greatly in that. So I think this is also why we see... Um, such low numbers of of deposit uh, retrievals, um, you know, of, the, of deposit usage. Uh, I'm sorry, um, and I think that's it's a good sign. It's a good sign for what we're doing. So, what kind of underwriting guidelines do you follow? Like, what would um, get an applicant approved or declined? All right. So, as I said, we we are looking. Maybe I should uh, like uh, loop you into our like layers of of. Uh, of risk management, right? So the first layer is uh, know your client identification. We have to know that you are a real person, that you actually have been to the co-working space, uh, that you have an ID, that you are um, that eventually that you are who you say you are, right? That's the most basic uh, layer. Um, we use our own um, technology to verify your ID. We ask for a, for a photo ID. Um, and we also uh, verify that with the co-working space, right? So that's important as well. Um, second layer is a financial layer. We ask for uh, users to log in with their bank account and to give us a read-only um, access in order to see uh, what were the transactions like in, the, in recent time and the, and the current balance. And the third layer is the professional layer where our technology goes through uh, certain uh, websites, mostly professional websites, um, social networks such as LinkedIn or uh, freelancer specialized uh, networks like Fiverr or Upwork or portfolio sites like Behance or Dribble, and looking for information online um, to see if that person is actually a, a promising professional or a creative uh, or innovative professional, uh, exactly like uh, they sustain they are. And those three layers make up for a profile that in the end um, receives an internal uh, score, whether it's a yes or it's a no, or it's a maybe and needs more information. Um, we also verify that the deal was actually made. So we need to see that there was an actual contract between the member and the co-working space in order to approve the final financing. That's very important. Well. So during the bank verification, what is it that you're trying to verify? Is it a minimum balance, a minimum amount of deposits? What is it that you guys are looking for um, to get the customer approved? Yeah, so the it's complex because we look into many parameters, but I think what is special uh, about the way we do it is that we look into uh, certain income intervals because we understand that most of our clients have a volatile income. When you are a freelancer or an entrepreneur, we're not like you know traditional financial services providers or banks that are just looking to see how much you have today and how much you had. You know, so we we know that there might be 
difficult times. We know that it looks more like you know a wave sort of a, a income rather than a fixed line for for new creative professionals. So we try to look at those intervals, and we have a whole set of of a, a risk model that, that examines those intervals and and to see different trends over time. And we also take into account seasonality. We know that certain periods of the year are tougher than others, like Christmas or summer vacation. So all those things go uh, into account. And obviously it's different whether you are a freelancer or you're an entrepreneur or a sole founder or part of a team. So all those things also make, uh, have some, some weight in our model. And uh, how much does personal credit actually play into this? Do you guys check credit scores? No, uh, we don't check people's credit scores from various reasons. Uh, the first reason is that, you know, there are hard checks and soft checks, but, but in the end of the day, those checks can affect the individual's credit score and not for the better. So we, we, <laughs> we try to avoid that because we know that many of the customers that come to us are either thin file, as they call them on the credit uh, uh, bureau jargon, right? Um, so that makes them very hard to underwrite from that perspective. And normally the scores that we would get would be um, not, not really worthy. And so that's, that's the, the main issue that we're looking at. Uh, and, and two is that our idea in the end of the day is to develop a unique data set that will allow us to say, look, we know how to underwrite and how to finance the professionals of the present and the future. Not the salaried employees of the 70s and the 80s, but you know the freelancers and entrepreneurs who are creating new things and are building the future of the economy today and are suffering from income volatility in the present. And we wanna make essential business services like co-working spaces more accessible to them. Wow. I want to know, how did you come up with this? Like, how did all this begin? Please tell us your story. I would love to. So I was a salaried employee. I actually was a, a board member in a, in, a, in a company actually that had dealt with the retail. And so I, I know quite a lot about point of sale and, and interactions about that. So that, that kind of sort of uh, led to the end solution. Uh, and then I, I uh, decided I had enough of that and I wanted to create something on, on my own. And the first thing I did was to move into a co-working space. And that was a shock for me because I was used to, you know, all those cubicles and, you know, formal dress and stiff hours and also a steady paycheck, let's be honest, right? So, so <laughs> and suddenly I, I was in this really creative environment surrounded by many interesting people um, doing all sorts of creative stuff, uh, but suffering from, you know, income uncertainty. Uh, and the first idea that I had, I started obsessing with the whole idea that banks and credit card companies were not really responding with adequate financial services to people in my situation or in the situation of other people around me in the co-working space, other freelancers and entrepreneurs. And the first idea was to just build a credit line uh, credit line for freelancers on a fixed monthly subscription fee, right? Like $1,000 credit line for $10 a month. And then I pitched it to two uh, colleagues in the co-working space that I met. And we started de developing the idea and we understood that the best thing that we could do 
both from the risk perspective, because to give unsecured credit was a little bit too risky for us also in the beginning. And also from the customer point of view, not to get, you know, just money to spend and spend it on whatever, like a general purpose credit line, but something that will help them also grow. And we'll also in the, in the future will help them return. Right. And, and then we said, we're going to destined, we're going to target this credit line in order to finance the co-working space access. And that was the big breakthrough, I think. Um, we went with this to the Barclays Techstars FinTech Accelerator. We pitched them that idea, they loved it. We got in um, out of, I think, over 600 applications uh, that batch were among eight companies that got in. And we went through the accelerator that really built us as a team. And then we raised some, uh, some funding and we started to do the go-to-market and our first um, co-working partners were actually in New York City. Um, some, uh, some leading co-working there. Um, the Yard, I think, is the biggest one of them that we've, uh, we're still working with and, and very happily so. And since then, we started branching out into more uh, co-working spaces also outside of New York. Uh, and this is where we are now. Um, and we have many um, happy paying customers um, that are really, you know, we, we found that this offer was really good because it seemed like a no-brainer from both the co-working space side as well as from the member side. So it really is a win-win-win for everyone. Um, we're taking a low risk and, and, uh, and getting a decent return. Co-working member gets easy access to an essential business service, which is a co-working space. And the co-working space has an easier onboarding for the members and closes more deals. So everyone is happy. And what markets are you currently servicing? Is it only the U.S. or are you doing international? So the U.S. is our main market. Um, we do have, we, we are among the first four companies to receive the uh, non-bank credit provider license in Israel. And since we're native Israelis, uh, we're, we're going to open a, a small activity in Israel as well. But the U.S. still, still remains our, our main focus. So we spoke about the security deposits. Now, I saw something on your website in regards to financing payments. If I wasn't able to make a payment one month, you would finance that. Tell me about how that works. Yeah. So the rent financing at the moment, um, our, our idea is in the end of the, is to, to develop it further. And the more data that we get, our risk, um, our risk analysis become more sophisticated and we're able to take more risk. Uh, but at the moment, the way that we finance the rent is that this is a product that is offered for existing co-working members that can find themselves in hardship in the summer or in the holidays. Uh, and then they already have a deposit in place with the co-working space. So what we do is that they assign this deposit to us, to Salario. So we will recover it when they leave. And we pay the rent for them in the meantime, up to the deposit amount. So if the deposit it was a month and a half we can pay for a month and a half and get you know get December and half of January out of the way until things start moving again uh, and we start doing that actually it, it's a product that we developed out of demand that came from the field we had the customer actually asking us uh, if they could do that and we quickly you know uh, develop that option um, and since then it's been it's been something that has been really helpful for many members your story is pretty amazing. You went from 
having a salary job, uh, wanting to get out and do something on your own without having any clear idea of what you wanted to do. You just quit, um, got yourself a co-working space, came up with this idea, got yourself into Techstars um, and launched the company. What has been your biggest challenge um, getting all this to fruition? Um, I think that, you know, it's uh, the biggest challenge, I think, was to understand that my problem could be the problem of many people and that it was up to me to try to solve it not only for me, but also for other people. And I think that, you know, when you have financial or cash flow issues and you think it's only your problem it's normally something that people tend to be very discreet and private about right uh, but when you understand that this is not only your problem it's something that is you know part of a system it's part of the structure of the whole economy and then you say yeah you know I'm, I'm not going to limit myself to my own risk I'm actually going to take an even larger risk and form a company that is supposed to take more risks you know, a startup, which is the riskiest business there is, I think that was a big challenge. Um, I have to say that from my perspective, it's been an amazing ride. And that even though it's very hard to do what we do, I don't think that neither me or either of my co-founders would have chosen to do anything other than that. Uh, we're really having fun um, working on Salario and working within this great industry of co-working space. So Yair, tell me, what is a book that you've read that's had the greatest impact on your life? Wow. <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> um, so there have been a few. There's been a few books. Um, I think that lately I've been really reading a lot of history books like and and political books biographies of, of great leaders like uh, uh, Winston Churchill or uh, even um, you know other you know big leaders so so this kind of uh, this kind of stuff lately um, I'm trying to think if I read something good lately which hadn't had anything to do with startups um, I think that Steve, no, I, I think that one of the most influential one was the Steve Jobs biography by Walter Isaacson. I think that was, uh, that's a book that really, you know, shaped, I, I, I was reading that while I was starting Salario and I think it really helped me to, you know, think about what it is like to be an entrepreneur, what it is like to lead a team or, or to be CEO of a startup, what kind of ideals should I, should I look up to? So, yeah. Cool. And what would you consider your biggest strength as an entrepreneur? Um, I think that it's a mix of flexibility and stubbornness. I'm very flexible. I'm not in love with anything in terms of I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to get where I want to go. Um, but I'm also very determined on where I want to go. So it's... It's something which is hard to decipher, but as long as you have like the big picture in mind and the horizon and you can see the horizon, there are many ways to get there. And on the flip side of things, what would you consider your biggest challenge or weakness as an entrepreneur? Yeah, so I'm stubborn as hell and I, I like to have, you know, I like to have my, you know, my voice heard, obviously. 
you know, it's also fun, you know, when you're working in a startup and especially in the early stages like we are in, uh, it's a great way of, you know, moving forward it's through open discussion and brainstorming. So it's really a huge part of that. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with creative entrepreneurs everywhere. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of Humans by Artrepreneur. For more information, you can check out our website, artrepreneur.com, or follow us on Instagram, Artrepreneur Magazine, without any vowels. Have a great day.